Tonight we continue with our study of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 9. And if you've looked ahead, and you saw what the verse is, if you're really honest, you probably, you're like, I know where this is going tonight, and I know what he's going to talk about. Well, that's, you're probably right, but we usually hear this verse and we think about how it is we repair relationships with one another and we, we bring peace between people. And we will discuss that if we have time, but it's going to be at the very end and it's going to be about that much. Because there's more to that verse than just what we have always taken it to be. And tonight we look at the depth of this. And uh, again, these are... These Beatitudes are talking about the ones that are born again. We have to keep reminding ourselves of this. This is the blessed one. This is the one whom God has shown favor upon, shined his face upon, been merciful to, been gracious to, and has brought them from spiritual death to spiritual life. These are the true Christian. And being a peacemaker is what this verse is going to talk about. That's not optional. Like you must be a peacemaker. And we'll look at what that means. And it doesn't say a peacekeeper. It says a peacemaker. And there's a huge difference there. And this is a characteristic. This is a, a manifestation of a quality that is of a Christian. So, very short, very simple verse. Let's read this tonight and then let's break it down and, and look at the depths of the verse. It says this, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. What a higher title than any human could have. What a prestigious title that no one is worthy of to be called the son of God. Who is called the son of God? Well, we know those who have been born again. And then we also know that those people are peacemakers. So let's look at that tonight, but let's pray first, okay? Father, thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you that we've got the the privilege to come and to gather tonight and to open your word, um, the words that are from you, the words that are alive and active, Lord, and the words that change us. Lord, they, they help us to see who you are. And the more that we see who you are, the more that we love you, and the more that we worship you, and the more that our soul longs to please you. So, Father, we ask for help tonight. And, Lord, being a peacemaker is not always easy. And Lord, these are difficult things to do sometimes, and we can only do it through you. We can only do it through the Holy Spirit that guides us. And I pray that you would let us see this verse more clearly than we ever have, and let us apply it to our lives. Thank you that you've blessed us with the gift of salvation, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's state the obvious right off the bat, that, that, that peace is only found in God. That's it. There was uh, a famous quote from Thomas Aquinas, and uh, he, he was asked the question, why does it look like so many people are seeking after God? And the Bible tells us that no one seeks after God in our unregenerate state. So why does it look like everybody we know or people that we work with or whoever it may be, it, it looks like they're always seeking the things that, uh, seeking God, if you will. And he came up, and one of the answers that I think was truly great is, he said that, well, people appear that they're seeking after God because they're seeking after the things that only God can give. They want the things that only God can give, but they're not looking for it in God. They're trying to find it in every other place. And peace is no different. 
we live in a world where people want peace. I ran across an individual this week and he said he was from Boston and he was down here um, and he said that my heart is finally at peace because I've moved from Boston to down here. Well, here's the reality. If there's no Christ and there's no God in his life and he has not changed, he's not a, a Christian, there's no peace in his life. There's no peace outside of God. God is the source of peace, is the author of peace, and without God there is no peace. You may have some contentment for a while, you may have some happiness for a while, but you'll never have peace because peace is from God. And it's only found in God, no person, no accolade, no award, no job, no relationship. None of that brings you peace without God. And there are verses here that just begin to outline that, which seems basic, but it's something that we need to understand. Romans 15, verse 33 says, Now the God of peace. You're going to see that as we speak of God, He's the God of peace. Be with you all. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not God of confusion, but of peace. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 4.9 says, The things which you have learned and received and heard of and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. God is the God of peace. Hebrews 13.12 says, Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. He is a God of peace. And He gives peace, not as the world attempts to give peace, but He gives peace that is the real deal. But that's not how we are. We don't have peace with God before salvation. This is something that we have to know and we have to understand the seriousness of this. That when we are born into this world, we are at war with God. And here's the thing about it. There's either peace or there's war. There's never an in-between. And when we are born, we are born hostile to God. We are born enemies with God. We are at war with God. The Bible tells us that we have to be reconciled to God. And how can we be reconciled to God if we're not estranged from God? We are enemies of God because of our sin. This is who we are. Every person that is born in this world, it says in Ephesians 2, is by nature deserving of wrath. Psalm 51 says, David says that in his mother's womb he was conceived. By that sin and that sin nature alone, we're enemies of God. That's a horrible indictment. And you can have enemies in this world and, and, and countries can go at war and they're looking for peace, but there's no greater enemy and there's no more terror that one could have than to know that their enemy is God. And that's the state of who we are. And we look at this and we begin to look at some of these verses that tell us how we are enemies at God, with God and we're at war with Him and we have no peace. And you think about people that you know. Think about friends that you know that are, that are lost, uh, not saved. Think about family, friends, co-workers. They have no peace. They can fool you. They can look like they do. They can be, look like they are the happiest people in the world. But the Bible is absolutely clear. Without God, there is no peace. That's something that we can't overlook. We have to know that. Romans 3, verse 10, you've heard this verse many a times. There is none righteous, not even one. That's how we are born into this world. No righteousness in ourselves. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, 
engaged in evil deeds. That's who you were before Christ saved you. Hostile in mind, enemies of God. Romans 8, verse 6 through 8, expands on that. It says, For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, talks about being reconciled to Christ. Reconciled to God, which means that we are at war. We're estranged from Him until He brings us back to Him. We have no peace. And Isaiah 48, 22, pretty much sums all that up. It says, there is no peace for the wicked. There's none. Peace is in God. Peace is only from God. And if you do not have God, there is no peace. And this is how we're born. Did you realize that? When we stop and think about that, that we are born hostile to God, enemies of God, at war with God. That's a, that's a horrible indictment upon our fallen state. And there was only going to be peace in our life if something happens. And that's what we're going to look at here. And I want to join two words together that you may not think go together. And maybe you've never heard these terms go together. But we have to look how peace and righteousness are intertwined. Because these two words, as we look through Scripture and we look at the cross, this is where peace comes in at. It comes in with a connection with righteousness. And sin interferes with peace. And it's interesting here that as we begin to look at this, that sin interferes with peace, and righteousness and peace go hand in hand. What was the beatitude right before this verse? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are pursuing holiness, sanctification, less sin. And then on the heels of that, we we go into verse 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, because righteousness and peace have to go together. And we begin to look at verses that tell us this, such as Psalm 85, verse 10. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You have this union between righteousness and peace, and you cannot separate them. If there is no righteousness, there is no peace. That is something that is important that we have to get when it comes to peace. Now, go back and just, before we dive into this mo- anymore, can you understand why now the unregenerate person has no peace? Because there's no righteousness in their life. And righteousness brings peace. And they are connected. The Bible says that they kiss. They come together in this beautiful harmony. James chapter 3, verse... Zeke would kill me if I didn't use a verse from James in a, in a message. So, hey, I've met my quota for the week. James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Now, just really quick, go back to the previous beatitude. What was it? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Here we come into James. It says, the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. Gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Now listen, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
righteousness and peace come together. They're intertwined. They kiss. They are inseparable. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be enjoyable, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then Isaiah 32, 17 sums it up and says, In the work of righteousness will be peace. In the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. See, when we look at this beatitude and we say blessed are the peacemakers, our mind automatically goes to how can we make it right with our neighbors? How can we make it right with our friends? That's important. We're to be peacemakers. But we have to leave, if nothing else, knowing that tonight that without righteousness there is no peace. And that is why before our salvation, before our justification, before anyone has any peace, they have to have righteousness. That's where peace comes from. And when we handle our relationships with others, that is also coming into play. So you say, how does this all fit in? How can we look at righteousness bringing peace? Well, I think that we find it very clearly in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. Now listen carefully. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop just for a moment and remember our study of Romans, our study of the golden chain of redemption. What is justification? If you remember, the justification is the moment where we come and it is by faith alone, sola fide, where we, we come and we, we confess Christ, we, we place our faith in Him. And by faith alone, faith being the instrumental cause that produces justification. When we come and put our faith into Christ, we are what the term is forensically justified. It's a courtroom setting. And what this means is that when we are justified, God declares us what? Righteous. He declares us righteous, not that we are righteous in our own merit, but we have the imputed righteousness of Christ placed upon us that covers us in justification. So justification is where the imputed righteousness of Christ comes. We are made righteous in the eyes of God at justification. Now we go back to Romans 5.1. 5, Therefore, having been justified or legally declared righteous, now what happens? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that the war with you and God is over is because of righteousness. But here's the thing. The war is not over because of your righteousness. The war is over because of His righteousness. It is the blood that was shed, the perfect life that He lived, the atonement, everything that is going on in the cross, the blood it brought about the atonement. His perfect life brings our justification. It is in His work. It is in Him alone that we have peace with God. That is why true peace only is found in Christ. And there's no peace without Him. Because if you're not a Christian, if you've not been regenerated, if you've not placed faith in Christ, if you've not been justified, you have no righteousness. And without righteousness, you know what you don't have? Peace. This is from God. I don't know, I went back and forth on it all day, whether I should tell the story about R.C.'s mom running out of the house. 
in the whole story about war, and I think I'm going to. Just humor me, because I love it. He was out in the streets when he was a young kid, and he was, he was out in the street, he was getting ready to turn to bat, and he said he saw all the women. I love this story, I do, I love it. It makes me excited every time I tell it. All the women of the, of the town come out. They are running out of the house. They've got pots and pans. They're banging it. They're holding their babies, and they're running out, and it's hysteria. He's up there, and he's getting ready to have a turn to bat, and all he can think about is, what? I've been waiting all this time to bat, and now this is ruining it. And he couldn't figure out what the commotion was. He looks, and he finds a lady that catches his eye. It's his mother. He sees his mom as one of the ladies that is running out of the house. Tears running down her face. She is just running and leaping and, and making all kinds of commotion. And she runs straight to him, and he has no idea what's going on. But you remember the words that he, she uttered to him. She grabbed him, and she hugged him. And all she said was, it's over. It's over. You see, his dad was in the the service and they had just got the announcement that the war was over and his dad was coming home and her husband was coming home and all she could say was it's over the war is over and this is exactly what happens when we are justified by God the righteousness of the son is applied to us and you would hear from heaven at that moment, it's over. It's over. The war is over. You're no longer hostile to me. I'm no longer have my wrath abiding on you. But there's been peace. Peace. And how is that brought about? By righteousness. Without righteousness, there is no peace. But we have peace with God through the perfect righteousness of His Son. Romans 5, 9-10, a little bit later in that chapter, it says this, Much more then, having now been justified or declared righteous by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. That's peace. The war is over. The wrath is no longer there. We have peace with God through that reconciliation, through the work of righteousness of the Son. For if while we were enemies, there it is, we're enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You see, we were enemies. And while we were enemies, He reconciled us to Him with his righteousness. Now, you go back and you stop and you think, why is what we read in the gospel account so important? When we see that Christ was without sin, why is that so important? Because he came to fulfill all righteousness. That is the staple of his ministry here, is to fulfill all righteousness. He was without sin because if he's Sins one time, he's no longer God, number one. And if there's one sin, then he cannot fulfill the perfect requirement of the law, and we have nothing to be imputed to us. So the war is over, and you have peace with God because we have a Christ that was came to this world and was sinless and perfect and pure. 
He was spotless. Everything that you read about his life, how sinless and perfect he was, if that is not the case, then the war is not over. And enemy number one is God. Can you imagine that? There are people that we love today, that you love today, that are enemies of God. It's either peace or there's war. There's no in-between. And if their heart is not at peace with God through the righteousness of Christ and through justification, then they're at war with God. They are. They have the arrows of God's bow pulled back and it is aimed to the heart. Spurgeon said that when God aims the arrow to the heart, He doesn't miss. That is who we are without Christ. And this is why we need to be peacemakers. We're going to look at peacemaking a whole lot different here. Because do you have people that you know right now that are not at peace with God? You do. If they're not a Christian, they're not at peace with God. And in a very sense, we're called to be peacemakers. And I'll show you that here in just a little bit. Romans 8, 1 through 4, one of my favorite chapters, a few of my favorite verses right here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Why did He do that? Why did He meet the, the full requirement of the law? So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Christ lived a perfect life, fulfilled all righteousness, so that when you place faith in Him, he would, he would impute that to your account. And it would be that righteousness that brings peace. Remember, without righteousness, there is no peace. And the peace that we have is from the righteousness of God. We can have other verses that tell us this in Colossians 1, 21-22. Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death. There's a death on the cross. There's the righteousness of Christ. Why did He do this? To present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 17 tells us that as well. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, speaking of the Jew and the Gentile, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in His flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in Himself He might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near. You see, the gospel message is a gospel of peace. That's the gospel. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But the picture that we need to see is that we're enemies of God, hostile to God, and we will stay that way forever. And hell will be our destiny unless something happens, unless there's a righteousness account into our lives. Because without righteousness, there is no peace. And that righteousness came into our life when we placed faith into Him and He imputed His righteousness upon us. And it is in that moment that we have peace with God. 
sometimes I think we overlook about that thought about us having peace with God and the wrath being taken away and the beauty that's in that. So hopefully we will dwell on that this week. But we know that God is triune in nature, don't we? We know that God is triune in salvation. We know He's triune in all that He does. And God is triune in peace. We know that Hebrews 13.20 says that God is the Father is the Father of peace. And Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. And He's the agent who brings peace to us through His righteousness and through His atonement on the cross. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who's the Spirit of Peace. And what is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Peace. So even in our peace, it's triune in nature. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So now we go back to an application. How do we become peacemakers in the best, most true sense, the most important sense? Well, to be a peacemaker, only the Blessed One can do this. Because, remember, the Blessed One is the one who has had peace in their life because they've been justified by righteousness. And they're the only ones who have peace to offer. They're the only ones who know how to find true peace. It is the right, righteousness of the believer that can do this. So we know that we are to be peacemakers. And how do we do that? Well, it should be our mission. It should be our calling to be an instrument that God uses to try to bring peace between the unlost family and friends that we know and God. There's no peace there. The unsaved has no peace. And we are called to be peacemakers and we have the only way that peace can be found. And that's the gospel. You want to be a peacemaker first and foremost? You spread the gospel of peace to those who are at war with God. Because of all the relationships we may have and all the things that we may have that go in that with each other, the first and priority of all this that counts tonight is to try to have the gospel presented to those who are at war with Christ to bring them to peace. Only those who have been saved and have peace with God can be peacemakers. And righteousness is required for peace. And righteousness is found in the gospel of Jesus. And that's what we're to do. We are to become peacemakers between God and man by sharing the gospel of peace in hopes that the person that we witness to will have peace with God. And we find verses in here. Ephesians 6, 15 says, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are to try and to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of peace in hopes that God uses us to bring peace between those who are far off and God Himself. Look what Acts 10, 34-36 says. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears Him and does what is right is welcome to Him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. There's the peace. There's the gospel. You want to be a peacemaker? You spread the gospel of peace to those who are at war 
with God. That takes a whole different view of it, doesn't it? There's, there's depth to that. There's truth to that. And without God, there is no peace. But if you are a blessed one, you have Christ, you have the gospel, you have the knowledge of that truth, and it is our job to spread that gospel, which is a gospel of peace, and pray that God reconciles to them. And 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21 says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ as though, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have this ministry that we are to proclaim reconciliation. We're to proclaim how that occurs and how does it occur? Reconciliation comes when there's peace. How is there peace? When there's righteousness. That is the gospel. A peacemaker starts with witnessing and sharing the gospel of peace. And just so we tie it all together, right after this comes one of my favorite verses, the Great Exchange. It talks about being reconciled to God, which is having peace with God. And look what comes right after. He says, you're an ambassador. You have this ministry of reconciliation. You're to make an appeal to these people. It says in verse 21, He made him who knew no sin, perfect righteousness of Christ, is imputed to us because he took our sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could become what? The righteousness of God. And what does the righteousness of God produce? Peace. That's how you're reconciled to God. Through righteousness. Sin disturbs peace. But the righteousness of Christ brings peace into your soul. And the righteousness of Christ is the only thing that will bring peace to the lost family, friends, neighbors that we have. And that's why if we truly want to be a peacemaker, we share that gospel of peace. We share the only truth, the only news, the only message that will bring them peace. And that's how you're a true peacemaker. And he says that those who do this are called sons of God. And we have multiple places in the Bible, Romans 8, 14 through 16, Galatians 4, 3-7, and 1 John 3, 1-2. It talks about those whom He's saved, those whom He has called to Himself, those whom He's given the privilege to, those whom He's caused to be born again. Those are the ones that He's had mercy on, and those are the sons of God. The children of God, if you will. That's who He's speaking of here. They've been shown peace, they've had peace, and now they are to extend that peace. Being called the Son of God. That's quite the, quite the privilege that none of us deserve. But those who are peacemakers are sons of God. And then we look, it says, well, we'll go down a little farther now. This is kind of where everybody jumps in and we say, well, this is kind of what I thought it was going to be like. Peace with others. How do we have peace with others, peacemakers towards others? Do you know what every situation that you come in contact with that you have to bring to the table for there to be peace? Righteousness. Righteousness. 
that's what is involved here. Have you ever wondered why you're so hesitant to reach out and to make peace? Probably because there's sin in your life stopping you from doing that. And if you look at a lot of your arguments and a lot of your relationship issues and you look at a lot of things, it's probably some rooted sin somewhere in it. Pride, jealousy, envy, lack of righteousness. And without righteousness, you have no peace. That's why peace sometimes seems so elusive between human beings. Because we've either got indwelling sin, or we come to try to solve a situation with unrighteousness in our actions. Well, I was, but they owe me that. There's pride. That's a sin. There's no peace there. Or the list goes on and on. Envy, jealousy, pride, selfishness, idolatry. All these things hinder peace. This is why righteousness and peace go hand in hand. So we examine ourselves first before we go to offer and to try to make peace. And every person that we come in contact with, we can't make peace with. That's why the Bible says in Romans, it tells us in Romans, that we are to live as peacefully as we can as it depends on yourself. There are some people who do not want reconciliation because they have sin in their life and there's no righteousness there and there never will be a resolution of conflict. But if you can account for yourself, if you can stand before God and, and know that there is righteous actions and righteous motives in you, and you're bringing that all to your side of the peacemaking, then that's all you can do. But if not, if you can't check those off your list, then we need to repent. We all need to repent. And if you examine all the things, that, the situations that you may currently have or have had, you will find there's probably some rooted sin somewhere in there. Righteousness and peace go hand in hand. And we're to pursue peace with others, but not at the expense of truth. This is not, the Bible doesn't set it up to, well, let's make everybody happy, and that's peace. That's not peace. True peace is when righteousness is involved. And we are to pursue peace, but not at the expense of truth. Can't do it. And it doesn't always mean that peace comes without conflict. Because the truth hurts, and righteousness hurts, and the righteousness is very uh, aggravating to people at times. And just to prove the point that peace doesn't always come without conflict, where did your peace come from? It came from the most heinous form of torture that there ever could be, the cross. You think that was without conflict? The very thing that brought you peace was not free of conflict. It was conflict and struggle and wicked men and, and, and disagreeing and, and all the things that led up to it. Your salvation, your justification by way of the cross was not without conflict, but it was what brought you righteousness because it was of truth. I just want to give you a few examples of these if I could, just really quickly. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. Now, just warning you, this is going to get tough. <laughs> it's going to get a little harder because this is going to apply to a lot of us, okay? In verse 21, Sermon on the Mount, it says this, 
You have heard the ancient words told. The ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before, your, before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Okay, so we've got a knot here. There's, you can see there's not peace. Okay? And let me say this. There's a difference in true peace and a truce. Okay? A truce is I'll hold on to my weapons, and at the first sign, I'll bring it back. Or it'd be like a cold war. Well, we'll say we're not at war, but we're always looking. You know why that's the case? Because righteousness has not been applied to that situation. That's why. Without righteousness, there is no peace. But look what he says here. So you got this, there's this thing between these two people. Verse 23, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, stop. Just for a second, did you catch it? Tell me what you have against your brother there. It doesn't say what you have against your brother, does it? It says when you realize that your brother has something against you, peacemaker. He says that if you are going to worship God and you have an offering, before you come and bring that worship, lay it down, turn around, and go find the one who has something against you. God wants peacemakers. He says, lay that down before you come and worship me. And you go find the one. Leave your offering, therefore, before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering before God. That's a peacemaker. And that will never get accomplished without righteousness. You see? That is why there's no peace sometimes in our lives. Because there's not righteousness, there's sin. Think about this. The Bible tells us in Philippians, it says that when you come and you cast your cares on God and you present your request to Him, it says the peace of God will uh, surpass all understanding. So why doesn't it pass all understanding sometimes? Why does it say that when we cast our cares on God, we'll have peace, but then we stay up all night worrying about things? You ready? Unrighteousness. Because do you know what unbelief is? Unrighteousness. He says it's going to be okay. He says that he's in control. He says all things work out. And when we stop and we believe that with, with our whole heart, guess what? God will give us peace. But when we come to these verses and we begin to doubt what he says, that's not righteous. And that's why your mind has no peace in those situations. Without peace, or without righteousness, there is no peace. He says, go and leave your offering. Go and make peace. You may not find peace with them. They may not want to have that part, but you go with a heart of purity, of good motives and righteousness, then you can lay your head on your pillow at night. Isn't that amazing? That's the reason that we worry. That's the reason we have no peace, because we are doubting God about 99% of the time in those situations. And unbelief is not righteousness, and there will be no peace. We've all experienced this. And then you start to look back on it, and you're like, that's it. That's it. Let's go on a little farther in the same, same chapter here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. 
It says, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That is being a peacemaker. And if you remember what we were discussing in the uh, beatitude here, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons of God. Now look what it says here. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Peacemakers. Those who do not treat you kindly show a righteous response. That is what peacemakers do. And you say, well, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve Blessed are the merciful. You see? We can't get away from it. These beatitudes have continued to pile up on us. And then you say, well, yeah, but I deserve better. Wait a minute. There's idolatry. There's arrogance. There's pride. There's unrighteousness. There's no peace. It doesn't take long to peace to quickly elude us because of our unrighteous acts. I want to show you something very important here in Matthew chapter 18. You may think this is an unusual passage to use here. You may be right, but it serves our point. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, says this, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. Now, you'll see how this is going to build up. If someone has done something and you're aware of it and it's a sin, and it, what, the Bible says that we're to go in love in private and confront them and say, hey, listen, this is what, the Bible, this is what we need to work through. I, I love you. Let's work through this. And you call them to repent. And you say, how could you do that? That's not peaceful. That's not bringing the peace. Well, where does peace come from when there's righteousness? And if there's sin in the camp, there's no peace. And then if you give them this chance and they don't repent and there's still unrighteousness, what do you do next? But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Now we're really stirring up the hornet's nest. Now we've went from something in private to something that's two or three. That's not bringing peace. No, do you know what happens? If you don't do that and you sweep it under the rug, do you know what you have? You don't have true peace. Because sin is still there. Unrighteousness is still there. The reason that you are bringing this to them, the reason you're imploring them to repent is to become righteous in that, in that aspect. To get rid of that sin. Because if that sin is not removed, there is no peace. But the call to repentance is to eliminate the sin and that is when you have true peace. This is not to throw people under the bus. This is to tell this one who has stumbled and fall, fallen, if they want peace, they have to repent and there has to be righteousness. They can't continue to live in that unrighteousness. There will be no peace. This is loving. This may not be without conflict, but anything without it is just a truce. See, we sometimes think that just because we're not talking to somebody or we're not around somebody, that's true peace. That's not it. True peace is when righteousness has his way. When peace and righteousness kiss, it's a beautiful thing. And it says, if he refuses to listen to the two or three witnesses that you've taken, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. You say, listen, we have to take this discipline up a notch. We may even have to excommunicate for a little bit because there is no peace. What good does it do you to be here? There is no peace as long as there's unrighteousness in this aspect of your life. And there never will be. 
This is loving. This is what God has called us to do out of love because if we care about each other and we want people to have peace, we better know that righteousness clings to peace and it never separates. And then we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 8. We only got a couple more here. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says, if possible, because it's not always possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Peacemakers. And I know what you're thinking, and I agree with you. We can just agree on this together. There are some people that peace will not happen because they've made it in their mind that it's not going to happen. And you can't do anything about that except for to continue to show righteousness and love. And if you have done your part as it's possible with you, then you're the peacemaker. And then Hebrews chapter 12, last verse here. Hebrews chapter 12. Now we've made this point all night that righteousness and peace go hand in hand. And righteousness is, is sanctification. Righteousness is doing the right thing and, and being holy and, and growing in the image of God. That's what that is. So we see that sanctification and, and righteousness, and they're interchangeable. They go together. And then Hebrews comes and tells us that again. In verse 14 of Hebrews 12. Pursue peace. Again, these words matter, don't they? Pursue it. Not just be a peacekeeper, be a peacemaker. Be on the lookout. Be ready to make peace. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification. There's your righteousness. Without it, which no one will see the Lord. Do you see? This verse, the way that we have taken it has cheapened it an awful lot. You have to understand how it flows. You have to understand that we are enemies of God at birth. And the only way the peace is there, the only way that the war is over between us and our Maker is why when we place faith in Him, in His righteousness, brings peace upon us. Then, we know that that righteousness is what brings us peace. We know that that imputation of His righteousness is what brings us peace. And we know that there's one way to find that, and it is in the gospel of peace. And to be a true peacemaker, like I said, being a peacemaker with each other is good, but being a peacemaker primarily, the first and the most important view of this is to spread the gospel of peace. You want to be a peacemaker? Go spread the gospel of peace to all those you know who are at war with Christ. And pray God uses that to bring peace to them. Because every other secondary and tertiary uh, conflict we have on this earth means nothing compared to being at war with God. Are you a peacemaker? When's the last time you shared the gospel of peace? That's what a peacemaker does.
shares the gospel of peace to those who are at war with God, who need peace, and pray for God's mercy to work in that situation. But then it goes to us. We are to have an attitude of active pursuing of peace. And if you've tried to reach out and make peace, I challenge you to examine yourself. And I examined myself. Did I go into that situation with any sin in my life? Any sinful attitudes? Any sinful motivations? Any sinful motives? Anything? Was it me? Because if I'm bringing unrighteousness to it, guess what will happen? There will be no peace. We are called to be peacemakers. And maybe you can just reflect on the peace that was shown to you through God. And share that peace, that news of peace with others. And maybe this is the week that we begin to be peacemakers. Not only in our witness, but those people in our lives. Righteousness and peace. They come together and they kiss. And you can't pull them apart. They are linked together. And if you want peace, there must be righteousness between us and God and between us and our fellow man. This is what's at stake with this. So many people ask, how do I know I'm a Christian? I've been asked that several times, especially in the last six months. How do I know that I'm a Christian? Well, I'll give you an answer that probably you never would have said in a million years. When someone asks you, well, why, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, I love the Lord. I made a decision. I raised my hand, signed a card, got baptized. We have the list. goes on and on and on. Try this on for size. How do you know you're a Christian? You ready? You'll be a peacemaker. That's how you can know. That's one of the ways you can know. And if you're not a peacemaker, you're either not a Christian or you have indwelling sin in your life that is stopping you from being a peacemaker. Because if there's unrighteousness in your heart and life, you will not reach out for peace. Because peace comes when there's righteousness. So ask yourself tonight, are you a peacemaker? Because if you are, then you are a son of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word and we thank you for this message. Lord, thank you that you have made it come alive to us. Lord, you, you have challenged us, Lord, because we all fall absolutely horribly short here but Lord, I pray that you would bring conviction upon us tonight. Lord, I pray that we would mourn over sin. We would mourn over our lack of peacemaking. Lord, we would mourn over our lack of spreading the gospel of peace. Lord, if we love people, people that are our friends and our family, and we know they're at war with you, and we know there's no peace, Lord, the best way that we can be a peacemaker is to tell them of your righteousness. Tell them of the righteousness that comes by faith alone. Lord, let us be peacemakers like we've never been. Let us spread the gospel of peace. 
And Lord, let us reach out to uh, friends and family and people that we have difficulties with and, and that there's not peace there, Lord. We ask that you would convict us again and let us get our lives right and, and become uh, more righteous in our actions, Lord. Lord, that you would remove the sin in our life that ceases or keeps us from being a peacemaker or prevents us from obtaining peace in these situations. Lord, let us understand how important this is to you. Because you said that those who are peacemakers, they are the sons of God. And Lord, before we come and bring an offering, let us examine ourselves. And if there's anyone that we need to run to, let us run to them. And be a peacemaker. And Lord, we know that it's not without conflict. You said that when the gospel is spread, that sometimes there's not peace. The families actually get torn apart. But Lord, that is something we cannot compromise. We are to seek peace, but not at the expense of truth. Lord, let us know that it will not be easy. There may be conflict, but Lord, we hang on the truth. We rest on the truth. We rest on You. So help us, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we just want to say thank You as we close. That You have declared the war is over in my life. Not because of me. Not because of anything I have done. But because of the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to me. His righteousness brings me peace with You. And Lord, we're so thankful that righteousness and peace have kissed and are not to be separated for all eternity. So Lord, we close with the reminder of the song, Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Amen.